Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to a very special TIFF Talks, and it's special because it's not really a TIFF Talks. We're moving into the world of podcasts. As of next week, uh, we are going to be every Monday evening, GMT, 8 p.m. We're going to be uploading a podcast. We're probably going to upload the video as well, which I don't know whether people actually want to see that, but we're moving to a lot of podcasts. But the podcast is about motor racing and motorsport because this man here, he's very, very good at going around a racetrack sideways, but he's also incredibly knowledgeable at motorsport. So without further ado, Tiff, we're going to head straight into it. This is a bit of a taster and a bit of a teaser as to what's going on. This one's retrospectively and looking forward as well, but most of them will be talking about the week before and then what we com- what's coming up. Um, and it's a bit of a bittersweet week, really. We lost two automotive greats, two massive personalities, and a young gun came through with uh, just an incredible achievement as well. So it sort of, sort of ended the week well, but it started awfully. And I know you spent time with both Sabine and um, also Murray. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely to talk about the world of motorsport, but uh, we do have to start with, it was a sort of bittersweet, uh, you know, last couple of weeks, you know, losing Murray, of course, was, you know, we knew it was all coming, you know, he managed to get to 97, wasn't it? I always hoped he'd get to 100. But uh, as I sort of tweeted, you know, he's just the nicest human being I've ever met, you know, apart from his enthusiasm, his love of the sport, and that's what came over his commentaries. He was just a charming man, you know, polite and kind to everybody. You know, there didn't seem to be a, a bad word in his mind. And uh, so that was very sad. And of course, losing Sabine, you know, so young at just, just 50 was, you know, a real shock for her uh, fans and followers. I, mean, I knew she'd been, you know, battling cancer, you know, for the last two or three years. So, you know, it was always a worry that it was going to go the wrong way. And sadly, it did. And she was a hell of a character. I only really worked with her about three days or fifth gear. You know, people always think she's top gear, but she was fifth gear as well. Uh, but, you know, great driver, very fast around her beloved Nürburgring. She never really raced anywhere else. But, uh, yeah, well, very sad, you know, to be taken so soon. And then, you know, bouncing back in a great positive way, there's young Billy Munger just doing incredible things. You know, what that kid's been through since, you know, wanting to be a racing driver and dreaming of losing both legs and just... It never seemed to knock him back, you know, and now he's, you know, cycle, run, walked, canoed, amazing. So and the money collected was over two million, wasn't it, that, that Billy managed to get for comic relief? Absolutely he, fantastic. He won a lot of fans then, including myself. I, you know, I respect the guy anyway, but I think he won a lot of fans outside of motorsport. Just such a lovely story. And in terms of this chat, so a bit of a sort of general roundup, but it's going to be about all sorts of motorsport from all over the yeah. world. So. Uh, I think there's no better place to, to kick off than Formula One, but we will come on to all sorts of motorsport because it's all kicking off in Formula One <laughs> next week. We start in Bahrain. And of course, there's been testing oh. in Bahrain as well. Yeah, I think we go back first to what's already happened. Now, this is, you know, Formula One is the kickoff this coming weekend. But you know, I love motorsport. Every, I always want to spread the word more, you know, because I think so much motorsport doesn't get appreciated. There's so much out there. Of course, the World Rally Championship was already kicked off with Monte Carlo and the Arctic Rally. Uh, two rounds of Ogier won the first and Tanak the second. And Elvin Evans is doing where he's running fourth in the championship at the moment. You're getting too uh, excited. So Let's go tough. to Formula One and we can come on to World yeah. Rally. You're getting too excited already, which is good. Your passion I love. And it is very infectious. But Formula One, so you're quite right. They've already been out to Bahrain uh, doing some testing. 
I think Mercedes were maybe sandbagging a little bit, but who looked the best, who was strongest, and who were your tips for this weekend? I never look at testing. I would think it's a waste of time. <laughs> Nobody knows what weights you're running, what fuel you're running. Uh, we, we had the amazing thing with the Alpha Tori, you know, second fastest, but then someone noticed that the little Japanese star of the future had his little wing flap open earlier on the straight than you're supposed to, so everyone said, well, that time didn't count. But uh, I think there was solid runs for everyone. Ferrari looking maybe a little bit better, but again, you know, Mercedes bounce out and do quick times. Red Bull looking very good with Verstappen, and uh, I see already... Um, not science. Science has gone to Ferrari. Um, Perez has already said, you know, it might might take me uh, all five races and let me settle things. I think he's now realising that being up against young Verstappen is not an easy task for any driver. And I actually sadly predict that, you know, a couple of the things that are going to happen this year, that, that science will find life a bit tougher than he thought against Leclerc. And I think Perez will find it a bit tougher against Verstappen than he thought it would be. Because, of course, as a driver, all you really want to do is beat your 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 co-driver. That's the only way you can really yeah. have a barometer on it. Um, but so, in terms of Mercedes, got to be Lewis again. Yeah. Uh, uh, Red Bull, Max Verstappen, what a talent that kid is! If if he does get pushed, I'll be surprised. But uh, um, but and um, to, tell me, Lando, our, our, our little favourite from the UK, um, how's he going to do? Is he going to be number one driver? Wait, wait. He's got a tough task, you know, because I thought he was sort of science, you know, Ricciardo coming in uh, in that second, that what well, the first seat maybe. Um, I think that's going to be tougher for Lando, but Lando, I think, is the most amazing natural talent, you know. Ricciardo's got the experience, but uh, it's going to be very even. I think uh, Ricciardo will probably get more points at the end of the year, but the qualifying might be pretty 50-50. But it's this huge battle for, you know, best of the rest. Uh, whether it's McLaren or Racing Point, which now of course Aston Martin, and then there's Ferrari in that batch, and Alfa Tauris, and if Alfa Romeo went quite well in testing, so who knows what uh, that's going to happen in there? Yeah, it's good to see Alfa uh, Aston Martin back. It's really good to see them back. Quite exciting. So out of the young talent, different teams, completely different teams, but uh, British talent, George Russell and yeah. Lando, who we just mentioned. There you go. Oh, if, they were in the, if they were in the same team, who would it be? Who would who would you George, go for there? George having to spend another year dragging that Williams round. He must be gutted, you know. I was amazed when they signed Bottas, to be honest, so early last year, you know, for this extra year. You know, I think they could have waited later and probably got, you know, got him up there, got George up in that Mercedes for this season. But instead, he's got to pedal around in that, in the... Um, the back of the field for another year. And who knows? I mean, if, if Lewis wins the championship and gets his 100 Grand Prix wins or something, I can offer, I can see him walking away. You know, he's, he's got so much that man that he wants to do in this world. Not a chance. Um, no chance. You just want to see Lewis there forever, don't you? Because you're a Lewis yeah. fan. It's really awkward, isn't it? Because you've got these amazing young drivers and, and you know, F2 is full of fantastic drivers, F3, what, what, it go, GP3, all the way through. And you and then you get people back like Alonso or uh, Sebastian Vettel. That let's face it, they're not they're they're probably not going to compete. Why don't they let some new blood in? But I guess it's the it's the banker, isn't it? Yeah, the, that, fans want them, the, the the constructors. Yeah, the constructors' championship is so important. A lot of teams don't want to risk a youngster because they want the constructors' points are so important. I'd rather get rid of constructors. Who cares which constructor wins? <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a lot of, Alonso coming back. Obviously, a huge story. 
Um, Esteban Ocon, I thought was quite good two or three years ago. When he was a pink panther, Simon Perez were banging wheels every weekend. We had a sort of a quiet season last year, whether Ocon's going to come forward as much as many predict he would. That's an interesting battle at Renault. And Renault have got this new, um, or sorry, Alpine, sorry, not Renault anymore, changing names. Uh, you know, Alpine have got this weird two heads of the team where they've got one in charge of the race meeting and one in charge of the factory. And I think there's a bit of French problems going on there. But Lonzo starts getting a bit stroppy if things aren't going his way as he can do and demand things. Um, I'm not sure Alpine's going to be the happiest place this year somehow. I don't know why. I've just got that inkling. So last uh, on that tenuous French link, French-Canadian, <laughs> Lance Strong, who's going to win out of that battle? Who have we missed out on all the teams? I always miss a team when I go through teams. As well, I mean, Jaguar. Poor old. I'm a big Vettel fan. I think Vettel, I mean, it's a shame the way it all went wrong at Ferrari. Yeah, and, you know, he had a young gun come into Leclerc and, I think that'll be on Lewis's mind. You see, you, you think Lewis will stay on, but you know, if he is going to get Russell, he knows he's going to have to up his game yet again. And it's a lot of effort Lewis puts into making sure he's always ahead of the boss, always ahead of his teammate. And if he gets a young gun coming in and giving him a hard time, does he really want to, you know, go to that massive mental and physical effort to keep on pushing? Because uh, that's really what happened with the Ferrari, you know, like player came in and bounced Vettel slightly and he sort of lost his mojo and the car wasn't that good anyway and so you know probably Leclerc put in more effort at Ferrari last year to get something out of a car that was never going to win a race which when Vettel couldn't be bothered <laughs> but he'll certainly beat Stroll at Aston Martin. I think so. See, he's... Real good See I got to yeah. say fair play to Stroll. He proved himself last year. I, 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 re I hope he does well. He's, I don't think he's just a a, a little rich kid, which uh, <laughs> he can't help that. He can't help the fact his dad's a multi-billionaire. I think, I think he's clearly got talent. You're, you're not there unless you've got talent, clearly. Yeah, but he's not brilliant. He's very good, but it all goes his way. It's incredible what he'll suddenly do out of the blue. <laughs> you know, when we saw him in Turkey, we were like, what else? He's leading a Grand Prix and he's on podiums. But his qualifying times are never, you know, on the pace of his teammates. And because we've now got sort of three bloody millionaire, billionaires' kids, because of course, um, so George's teammate, Williams. Uh, but again, he's not good enough to be there on merit. But back in the old days, I was laughing. You had privateers, and you called them privateers because you knew they were paying their way in. And really, that's what they are. They're privateers that have come in. Um, but who's alongside George at Williams? He's another guy. Russian, the Russian boy. For the Canadian at Williams. Okay, okay. Come on, name him. I don't, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't forget his name. <laughs> Uh, um, oh, I apologise hugely. I apologise hugely. <laughs> you're the you're the, the oracle. Nathan. You're the oracle of motor. Anyway. I've just bigged you right up, and now you've let me down already. You're the Formula One man. You watch that Drive and Survive program, which I'm a bit bored <laughs> by. To be honest, um, uh, Roy Nissan, listen any? No, he's only there. Oh, Latifi, you donut, Latifi, <laughs> Latifi. <laughs> Anyway, Latif is only there because his dad's bought you know, shares in the team. <laughs> and um, so he's hogging a seat. Then we've got the Russian kid coming in, you know, who's quite quick. I think the Russian kid's going to give Schumacher a hard time. And that could be a bit... Oh, yeah, um, Mick Schumacher as well. Yeah, because Mick, I mean, Mick's, again, he's had all the best equipment, the best teams. He's performed very well. He races very well. 
But again, his qualifying in Formula Two was never really that impressive. It's, it's his weak link. Um, so whether who, who's going to win at that team? It'll be at the back of the grid. The Hassies. They'll be at the back, battling for the with, with George at the back of the field. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see who comes out on top at Haas because they've both got a very you know, tricky task ahead of them. And uh, you did say that uh, Lance was in the Aston Martin, but Racing Point, so similar, same same yeah. thing. But um, okay, so for we've done all the teams now. We haven't missed anybody. We haven't We're missed anybody, but I do want predictions for for this weekend, please. Uh, <laughs> for it's coming weekend predictions. One, two, three. Aston Williams, Alfa Ferrari, Renault, yeah, Red Bull, and McLaren. Uh, predictions for this weekend. Lewis, Lewis will win again. Lewis will be up there. It's, it's inevitable. Where's, who's going to have the third spot? But, Assuming... Yeah, yeah well, who's going to be, um, you know, Bottas and then you've got Max. I think Perez will be back a bit. He won't perform very well. So, you know, you could see, you know, you could see... Who am I going to predict? I don't know now. You could see a, an Aston Martin on the podium. Did I say Jaguar? <laughs> I don't know why I'm oh, so confused. Up, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make some notes next week. You could see Sebastian <laughs> on the podium. I'm predicting Vettel that's good because that car was really good at the end of the year, don't forget, with Perez. So I... I think when Perez gets beaten by Vettel, <laughs> he's going to be a bit upset. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very good. That's the uh, uh, Formula One done. And, I, and we'll have to gauge how much people want to hear about Formula One and. and the following motorsports. Yeah, well, don't forget uh, Formula 2 starts this weekend as well. We've only got one British driver, Dan Tickton. Yep. So, again, you know, not enough people look at Formula 2, but Tickton's he's this real Marmite character that got banned for a year for deliberately smashing someone off the road when he was about 16 in, in Formula 4, the, the Jimmy Formula in Britain. He then got, he became a Red Bull sponsored kid and went to Japan and then they cut the money from him and he got sacked from Red Bull. He's now under the wing of Williams and you know, he's brought himself back into Formula 2. Last year, he had an average season, not with the best team. He's now with the best team. Um, but he does talk a lot on the radio. He needs, someone needs to get hold of him and, and really calm him down. He shouts on the radio when he's upset about his tyres going Nothing off. wrong with a bit of... He's a real talent. He's really quick. And, he is and a talent. So he's the only Brit in the whole of F2. Wow. And F2 is quite exciting. Yeah. If you don't know, I'm sure you do. If you're listening to this podcast or watching this, it's a really exciting sound. They sound good. They look good. It's like, yeah. sort of, well, it's like F1 really a few fun. years ago. Except rather annoyingly, they've mucked about with it. Then, because Formula 2 and Formula 3 used to be on every Grand Prix support package. It was fantastic. The young drivers learned the circuits. They had one starting first race in the order they qualified and had the reverse grid second race for a bit of show. Now they've got this ridiculous system that it's either Formula 3 or Formula 2. They only get seven Grand Prix to support each year. Uh, and the first race, they have a reverse grid, so the fastest man starts 10th. They've actually got two reverse grid races. The second race, the pole position qualifying actually starts on the pole. But all these reverse grids, it's supposed to be a meritorious thing in Formula One when you get up to the higher echelons. And, and too many of these showbiz reverse grid races don't really go with me in Formula Two. But we'll see how it goes. But uh, the thing is, there'll be a lot more winners of Formula Two because they mucked up, mixed up the grids. And I don't think that's right. I think, you know, anyone that won a Formula Two race from a reverse grid, it should be written in the brackets, you know, two wins. <laughs> RG. Both reverse grid. Um, we want to know the guy that gets on pole and wins. That's what, you know, Formula One motor racing is about, not gimmicks and, uh, you know, starting from the back. And we know quite a few drivers that 
if they've won a reverse grid race, rest assured, they will never ever tell you they've won a reverse. They'll just say oh. they won in wherever, Abu Dhabi or whatever it may be. Or Monte Carlo, if you finish eighth <laughs> in the old days in the first race, you won at Monte Carlo in Formula <laughs> 2. Well, yeah, but you didn't really, did you? No, you were eighth best that weekend. Jostling for eighth position, making it wide at the swimming pool. Um, I mean, it's, thought... it's good that we can overtake him. It is, it is good to see. That's what Schumacher was good at. I mean, he's shown to me as an overtaker, and I think guys that do overtake, it is something that does show a talent. Uh, but too much reverse grid, I don't think, is such a good thing. Okay, also on the support uh, of Formula One, of course, is W Series, which will be, well, cool. Vicky yeah, Kipper, kind of, Jamie, Jamie Chadwick. Wait. You've got to wait and wait. I looked at all the dates, and um, when is the W Series? It comes not until June the 27th in France. Wow. Well, that's a long way. So the, even yeah, the Formula the Two boys, you know, they, they race, they're sending about seven weekends. They race in Bahrain this weekend, and then they have to wait until June the 20, June the 6th for their second round on June. The, it's just, a big gap, but yeah, W Series should be fun. Again, you know, it's a, a big gap. I mean, I don't think any of the women on the grid at the moment are potential Grand Prix drivers because we've already seen them coming up to the ranks from lower. They're very good. They deserve to be there. And I think the W Series, what it's good at is trying to attract more young girls to start karting age eight. Because that's how we're going to find the first true, genuine Grand Prix driver, the Maxine Verstappen. Um, by getting more girls doing it. If you've only got sort of 100 girls in karting, you know, you're not going to find the one magical talent that, that everyone's looking for. But if we can get 1,000 girls doing karting or 10,000 girls, then that, you know, natural talent that everyone's looking for may suddenly pop up. And uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be three or four or five years before a woman will be in a Grand Prix grid, I predict. No, I can't wait. I can't wait until that happens. It's just, yeah, it's just be a... It's, it's kind of normal, really. Why, you know, yeah, why yeah. can't women compete? But um, we've got about five British girls out there, so it's great for us. We've got, yeah, Chandler, um, I can't remember this, all the names now, but it's, it's really good. This weekend, Daytona and Sebring. So, you, yeah, last year, yesterday, yesterday, Sebring finished. So I'm a yeah. big sports car fan. Obviously, I raced the Daytona 24 hours about five or six times, Le Mans 14. So, I love my sports cars. Um, we had Honda Acura win at Daytona, uh, and yesterday we had um. The Chevrolet, Chevys they call them, Cadillacs they call them. Uh, but in second place in the Mazda, two young British drivers plying their trade, Harry Ticknell and, um, oh, who was it, Harry? I forget his names. I'm always crazy on names. It drives me mad when I start things up and I forget the names. Oliver Jarvis, Ollie, Harry Ticknell oh, and Oliver. Ollie. So great to see, you know, two talents that could have been Grand Prix drivers, but there are only so many seats, so sports cars is a way to go to be a professional driver. So it was great to see them out there in a second. So, yeah, good race. We've got the new um, Formula for World Sports Cars starting. When does that start? That's not until about... It's going to be at Spa, isn't it? May the 2nd. The uh, Somewhere around about there, anyway. So the World Endurance starts with the new hybrids, the new Le Mans hybrids, which is the future formula. So we've got that to come. So sports cars are good. We've got Formula E. Formula E's are coming. You love Formula E, <laughs> don't you, Paul? Well, not really, no. <laughs> well, well, I think... But, Look, I think both of us are quite happy in any mo exciting motorsport. Yeah. But it's exciting for a little bit, but then it sort of finishes quite quickly. I know. It's, I mean, we've had two rounds so far. We've got um, Bird is second in the championship so far. Sam's second. He had a win, uh, which is great for his new team, Jaguar. So I get confusing yeah. Aston Martin Jaguars all the time. So, yeah, Sam's in second in the, in the tables. That's good. Uh, but it is... It, it, <laughs> 
you need the most talented drivers to win in formulary and they are really talented but they're all running to a sort of set program of energy use per lap if you go a bit quicker then you've got to go a bit slower for a lap and so that's why all the drivers because they're all very good at sitting in a crocodile some will go forward a bit then they'll have to back off and come back and there are so many gimmicks with fan you know boost and they've got to go through the loop and pick up an extra bit of power for three laps and for a purist like me it drives me mad uh, but they're not quick enough. They're not powerful. You know, the, the tracks are incredibly tight. The, the bodywork of the cars encourages them to just dive for gaps and knock the guy out of the way, which normally they get away with. But as we saw with um, with Lynn at the last race, he went flying, you know, in that last lap, a horrendous crash that Alex was very lucky mm. to get out of. It's a funny formula. It's, a, it's not really, I don't think, for the purist to enjoy because it's so contrived. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. They get more power and get out to bigger circuits and the batteries last longer. But um, for two <laughs> years' time, they're talking about refueling. Um, I know. But as we know on love cars, you can be promised 150 kilowatts and you only get given 50 kilowatts. So to make refueling work, they're going to have to have all the power rechargers give exactly the same. I think they're talking about 600 kilowatts. Um, for however many minutes they're going to stop for, but um, why don't they no. do like Star do with the rallycross and they just drop the battery down and they put a new one in? I mean, that's that's amazing. Well, they actually did that. There's an American series of about ten years ago. You can find on YouTube where they did they change batteries. It was a student formula in in America in the nineties uh, where they did change all the batteries. But of course, if that extreme E is happening, when does that start soon? Extreme E is um, I've got my calendars again. That's on the next weekend, isn't it? Coming up soon. Yeah, on the 14th. So extreme E, which so, is this So when we keep saying next weekend, so today is Monday, 22nd <laughs> of March. So uh, we're, yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to be launching this on a podcast on the 29th of March, which one we'll then talk about, well, things that happened on this weekend. On the Grand Prix. So yeah, the not, 28th, not so this, confusing. this weekend is the Bahrain Grand Prix. And the exactly. weekend after so in two weeks' time is the first Extreme E um, with these buggy sort of vehicles and Jensen buttons involved. And Lewis I is saw involved that. And of course, it's on Top Gear last a, night. It was uh, A male and a female. Every team has to have a, have a man and a woman. So that's all equal. And um, I'm not sure how they're going to race these buggies. It's a sort of a five-mile lap. Um, but I think you can sort of take different routes. It's all a bit vague as to how the, the racing is going to happen. Well, they look but anyway, all a bit of unusual stuff. Freddie Flintoff, because Hamilton's got a team as well, Freddie Flintoff and Nico yeah. Rosberg, he drove one last night on Top Gear. Oh, did and, they? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. the, it was such a lovely item. It's quite funny. Everybody, I saw Twitter and people said, wow, Freddie and uh, Paddy can really drive now because, of course, they got stunt drivers. <laughs> <laughs> It goes right. the most amazing control power slides you've ever seen. Then it cuts to them in the car, sort of flapping around. <laughs> and people are That's saying. That's always annoyed me most you know, about Jeremy and, and the top gear. <laughs> the thing that Plato and I do on fifth gear, you know, is that we drive and slide and talk at the same time, you know. And then you'd see you'd, uh, Richard Hammond, this car handles very well and cutting to a tire smoking, <laughs> stink driven shot, you know. We don't want to, oh, don't want to digress, but that, that was that was last night. That was that was Top Gear. And that, that so that new extreme thing is on there. So uh, and it looked yeah, it, just, and that's in looked two amazing. weeks' time. Ten minutes, that's the race over, bang, done. Should be. 
because yeah. NASCAR's up and running. I mean, I'm, I'm they had six races already. Formula One, they're all marrying the teams and poor mechanics. I understand it's a stressful job, but you know, about the 23 uh, race calendar this year in Formula One. Wow. You know, the NASCAR boys are doing 36 races a year. They've already done six of them. We've had two wins for Chevy, two wins for Toyota, and two wins for Ford. So fantastic. I love NASCAR. You know, if you pick a number, or I'm, I'm a Kyle Larson fan, you know, who's returning this year after unfortunately having to be suspended for racial slur, but he's back and he's won already. And um, so you follow your car and you can be a lap down in NASCAR and come back and win. You can be in 30th place, but you're able to fight your way back in these long races. And best of all, this weekend, um, once you've watched the Formula One's round a, a tarmac thing, if it gets a bit boring, they're racing on dirt in full-size NASCARs for the first time in 50 years. They've, um, wow. they've taken, what was it? I wrote down how many more. They've taken uh, 14,000 lorry loads of dirt and put them on this one-mile famous Dover track, which is one-mile round of concrete with about 26 degrees banking. Uh, and they filled 140,000 of dirt. So they're going to race NASCARs on. It's like turning the Formula One boys. But also, I mean, the other thing I've loved about NASCAR the last year, there's 40 cars. They go out and race now with no practice, no qualifying. They turn up, they line up on the grid in their given grid positions on, on pass form, and they go into turn one, having never driven a lap of the track in that car. And they've all got away with it and got on with it and don't complain and uh, knuckle down. It's quite amazing wow. that they haven't had huge first quarter accidents. But yeah, literally, they turn up and just start the race. The first thing they do in the car on that track that weekend. It's going to be different this wow. weekend with the dirt. They're allowing them to have a bit of a test on the dirt. But uh, so they're all going to be NASCAR. You know, you're going to be type 30 sometimes. They're going to all be like uh, Freddie and Paddy getting oppo on the dirt with, in the NASCAR. <laughs> Big yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned WRC right at the very beginning, and you got a little bit excited because there's a 20 year old leading the series. Uh, yes. Care to elaborate? <laughs> Is this? I mean, I, I get I get slightly annoyed by the allowing youth in so quickly, whether it's in any sort of a form of motor racing. Because when I began, you, you know, you are, had you to ageist? are you ageist, Mister Nadell? No, I am age. Well, then, probably you get. 19-year-old kids burnt out, you know, because they haven't become a Formula One driver already, you know, with someone without a dad with money or, or willing to be a cart mechanic for you every weekend of your life, you know, you, you can't progress. You're 25 if you do it on your own, and then you're too old, you know, and I hate... It's ageist in the way in our sport because you are written off if you're about 26 years old before you win a Formula Three championship or something. So there's an obsession with youth. The press love it. You're the youngest driver, the youngest driver, the youngest driver. You know, it goes on and on. But, you know, these two kids, I mean, Kallirov and Perra, whose father was a, a very quick rally driver, and he's been groomed since he was two, you know, to, to, to drive. So he's had that talent and the skill, which obviously he's got the natural talent from his parents. His mother also raced, I believe, or rallied. I forget which. Um, and he's incredibly good, you know. He's now 20 years old and... and leading the championship but the same last the last of the arctic rally they also had um petter solberg's son uh oliver solberg come out in a works hyundai age 19 years old going through snowbanks at 100 miles an hour and again he's been driving since he before he could walk probably and so you sort of you like it and love it because it's exciting news and then you think well does that not put off everybody that's sort of 
doesn't get into a car till they're 16 or 17 or 20 or 22 um, when they get the money to go rallying for the first time. So I love the hype, but then I think, oh, it's just not, just not right having a 19-year-old going through forests broadside at 100 miles an hour. It's, they're incredible talents. Um, well, we've got Elfin Evans, of course, Elfin shame last year. I know, sank so close, didn't he? Right to the end, last race. It goes horrible, skiddy, icy stuff from leading. The other thing about rallying again, which is slightly annoying, is that they've always got this who starts first. So Ogier won incredibly yet another Monte Carlo rally. But that means he started first on the road in the Arctic rally. They always have this problem with rallying, and it is a big problem. So because he was clearing the roads, they always moan about it like mad. He was a slow all weekend. He just got nowhere. Whereas Tanak, who crashed out of the Monte Carlo rally, therefore started way back, had the best road, and storm to an easy win and there's no real easy way of sorting out how they can change that that big problem because it is, it is weird when you're watching as a maybe not very knowledgeable motorsport fan that the great Sebastian Ogier is four minutes behind after three or four stages you know, think, well, well hold on he's the best but it's it's this problem of who goes first on loose surfaces um, that always <laughs> gives the rally weekend a bit of a weird tilt so, Tiff, I kind of think we've kind of gone through everything. I was listening to your rally story. I was, thought it was very yeah, interesting. We've got, yeah, we've every sport we've covered. I've got lists of bits of paper and rallying. Well, NASCAR, that was about 35 minutes. So it's going to be very interesting. What are we, we need some feedback. What, what do people want with the podcast? We spoke to several different people. People say from an hour to two hours. Really? I, if, it's, if it's entertaining, maybe, uh, maybe. But you mentioned Drive to Survive TV show. Uh, season one and season two. I watched them all out of order. I watched season two first, which I was hooked on. It was amazing. Then I went back and watched season one. And now, of course, season three was just released. And it's a bit slow comparatively. Season three just... I know there was COVID. I know it, the, the, the whole world was locked down. But I don't know. There's, there's sort of, it hasn't, doesn't seem to have I've that... Only, well, I've watched season two and I, I found a lot of very predictable. There seemed to be sort of too much constant, sort of constant one team each race and others not getting mentioned the sort of qualifying and practice sessions were out of order slightly and i just i mean the only program that really struck me they handled the spa with the terrible death of uber um they, that was a really good show they just seemed to hit it spot on they really got you but didn't most it? the others seem a bit drive pr based you know a lot of carlos science love was going on some of the series i think he appeared in about two shows and i think lando hardly appeared in the last year i can't remember I'm thinking there's too much emphasis on certain people, not enough on others, and it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I, everyone I, loves I, it. I think I, I, I sort of know what's coming each time, but it's a bit predictable, maybe because I, I know. Like it. It I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. I just haven't gone in season three as much as I did for for season one and two, and I don't think it is as PR led as you say because uh, it, it is proper fly on the wall type stuff. You've got you've got um, these drivers that are told by their PR agents they must say this. And then they're saying F this and bollocks of that. Or, 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 so, it's, so it's a little bit different, I think. Uh, I think it's an exceptionally good program. The guys that make that, wow, you know, the, the, the editing and the shots. Give me a call. When you get a good show, tell me which ones to watch. Then, all right. 
I'll tell you two. I should watch them. I should you watch them. Should, you should. You yeah. should really watch. Yeah. <clears throat> and you get to know the personalities, uh, like Gunter, for example. I think yeah, well, everybody yeah. now loves Gunter, whether you knew him or not before. Now everybody just loves him, me included. What a top bloke. Two motorsports we haven't mentioned. Well, I'm sure there's lots of motorsport we haven't mentioned that we'd love to hear what you want included. Um, esports. Now, there's one for you. Maybe we should get in some esports experts or is that, an expert. Is that a motorsport? It is. It absolutely is. It's you know, it's sim racing, and and of course, some of these guys are so good that they it's can sim sim race. It's not a motorsport. It's sim race. Well, Which for the fanatics to do it, it's a great challenge. It's very skillful and very enjoyable. And if you can't afford real racing, so it's it's not for me though. So I'd, I'd be too frustrated for stuff. First of all, <laughs> I'd have to spend days to make sure I was good enough not to look rubbish. And then so many people get knocked off in these huge first corner crashes. I mean, maybe in the real sim world, it's not as bad as the sort of PR races that we tend to watch or, or have a look at occasionally. It's, um, it's like it's like when you go to a car show and they say, Tiff, you know, come and we've got a sim here, you know, set a lap oh, record. No. Never, never do that because you need at least an hour on that before you can set a decent time. And then everyone's going... I get blown away, blown away. Big. The point so, is, if you get put off in a real race, you can have a punch up in the paddock and say, you had me off at that corny of Aston, I'll get you next time. But if you get a put off in a sim race, the bloke's in California or in Tokyo or something, you know, you can't have a, have a go at him afterwards. Uh, but it's so, a fantastic thing for people to do. If you can't afford real motorsport, it's an expensive sport. No, I think it's brilliant. I see a lot of people tweeting, have great pleasure doing it, but it, it's just not for me. I haven't got the time or the... I haven't got there's too much to do, isn't there? Too much to do. Watching Drive to Survive, doing sims, doing real racing. Of course, talk about real racing. There's a rumour around that, that you might be doing something called racing this season, Paul. Well, that was the, the kind of the highlight of the, the the pinnacle of what I've got to talk about, really. Oh, it, it was, for, for, Formula One, one IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula E, and we've got Caterham Academy. So the Caterham... Do you know what? It's flipping brilliant. I have to say, I've, I've, I've really got into it. Thanks to you, Tiff, because you've really, really been pushing hard for me to learn about things instead of just turning up and... Seriously, and, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in terms when of... When you out? When's your first event? 17th of April, so just under a, under a month. But the first event is actually a sprint race, not a, not a, um, uh, not a proper race. But the, so Caterham do a, a proper series, the Caterham challenge it's a proper series and they go to all over europe spa and silverstone all sorts so the academy is sort of a cut down version of that uh one sprint race which is at cuffer this year in the uk all the others are six races around the uk including silverstone you've got indy circuit at brands hatch uh mallory uh snetterton so some really really good circuits and it's very competitive because all the cars are exactly the same everybody's supposed to be a novice racer bit of pressure on me because i've been around the track a few times with you <laughs> <laughs> but I can't wait. I'm so excited. I've really, all of a sudden, in the last, it's only been the last week, I've really, really uh, got the bug for it. I've really got excited about it. I'm back in the historics two weeks' time. I'll be up at Donington in a TVR Tuscan and a McLaren M1 Can-Am car. So uh, if you're around Donington on Saturday of Easter weekend, I'll be up at, uh, I'll be racing there. Brilliant. So we, there's plenty well, of love cars on the track apart from love cars on the road this year well we are now this is so as of next week as of uh, 29th of march mondays uh every monday we are going to be because of course the tv show if you haven't seen it was love cars on the road this podcast is 
love cars on the grid so uh <laughs> enjoy love cars on the grid any feedback please let us know in the comments below because what do you want to hear on a podcast or should we just give up now so please <laughs> let us know below in the comments and as always pleasure to talk to you and tiff the oracle thank you very if much. i remember all the names in the right order <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Happy motorsports. <laughs>